Hey, everybody, coming up on the Matt Townsend Show today, when was the last time you flirted? And uh, how much flirting did you have to do to snag your significant other? Today, we're going to be answering those questions, plus a few more. Would things have worked out if you hadn't flirted with your spouse? And would any of us be here if our parents weren't out there flirting many, many moons ago? We're talking flirting right after the news with the great flirt, Sam McCall. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. Seven weeks in court and 70 witnesses later, notorious mobster Whitey Bulger has been found guilty of involvement in 11 murders as well as various other conspiracy and racketeering charges. Sentencing will likely take several days, but the 83-year-old is expected to face life in prison. A district judge ruled New York City's stop-and-frisk policy is unconstitutional, violating both the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments. However, the practice of stopping and searching people not necessarily suspected of any crimes will continue with federal oversight. The Obama administration is working to overhaul what it considers to be long-standing unjust treatment of nonviolent drug offenders. New steps are aimed at bypassing harsh mandatory sentences while reducing overcrowding in prisons. The 16-year-old California teen, who is believed to have been abducted by the man who is suspected of killing her mother and brother, told authorities he fired at least once before FBI agents shot and killed him in the Idaho wilderness over the weekend. A resort villa near Disney World in Florida had to be evacuated early this morning when a sinkhole caused portions of the building to collapse. Witnesses say the three-story building could be seen leaning with large cracks forming at the base of the structure. In world news, supporters of deposed former Egyptian President Mohamed Morsi are standing firm in their protests and warning any attempt to clear demonstrators from the streets will be met with violence. Newly appointed government leaders say they are trying to resolve the situation with dialogue. A 98-year-old Hungarian man accused of torturing Jews and helping send them to concentration camps during World War II has died before he could be brought to trial. The man was named the most wanted war crime suspect by a Nazi hunting group last year. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship guide, your uh, coach on the side. That's a guide on the side. Welcome to the program, everybody. Today, we are having what we call Flirt Fest 2013. We are learning the art of flirting. And, uh, you know, what better way to do that than eventually bring on some experts that have actually studied flirting a little bit. But before we do, we're going to go to the world-renowned, yes, the world-famous Skyboy Hansen, who is joining us. He's normally sitting right across from me where I can look into his uh, beautiful eyes. But now he is uh, he's on um, retreat to a flirt fest, uh, festival in Iowa. Sky, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. How are Hello. you? I'm doing great. I miss you. I miss you, too. How, how's the flirting festival going? Because I know oh, this is a awesome. high-level competition you're, you're attending. Yeah, the flirting, you can't find flirting like you can in Iowa. Iowa's got the best flirting by far. Do you know what? Great point. Nobody flirts like uh, those from Iowa. Now, you're there. Um, I know you're, you're pretending to just be there to visit family, but we know that this is your attempt to um, land 
a date. And yeah. so while you're there, you're trying to flirt one into the trap, and then you're going to yeah. date that young lady, right? That's that's the whole reason I came out here. Man. Any luck? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, with Iowa, you know. Yeah. It's hard not to find a date here in Iowa. So you, your trap. family's kinda there. Like, like my family is here, which so, is why I'm trying to trap one here so I can just yeah. move back. You know? Well, you've got to have one that understands you. Yeah, because back here none of us understood the, you. Our roadkill games, you guys didn't understand that. Yeah, no. But out here in Iowa, that's that's what we do, like on dates and stuff. So, like, yeah, it's a fun game where you just pull out yeah. some roadkill. Hey, um, so <laughs> tell us, because I know you're really good at this, and people are just going to think we're joking with you, but really, you're you're the king of first dates, right? I mean, nobody probably <laughs> at Brigham Young University has been on more first dates than you. Uh, very few have been on fewer second dates than you. But what what is the key? What's the key, do you think, to flirting? Because we're opening up the subject today, and I thought, you know, let's just start with the master. Um, honestly, I well, okay, and honestly, I try and I treat them with respect and then tease them a lot. So okay, you kind of have to walk walk a fine line of being courteous and kind. But yeah, so a little tease, tease. Yeah, a little tease, tease. Do you actually poke them? Like with your fingers, like I'm not. I'm not a big poker. <laughs> yeah, good because that's that's not bad. I mean, that's bad. That's not good. Um, <laughs> but you consider so you tease them, and do you like? Do you actually? You know, I mean, because there's a lot of stuff you can. I've been watching. In fact, I've been watching a lot of stuff on um, vines. So it's called vine or vines. Oh, vines are the plural of vine. The vineyard. No. No? No, the vine. The no. vine. It's would a, a, no, seriously, would, a, would multiple vine yeah. videos be called a vineyard? You would think so, like, a, like an aggregate of a bunch of vines. <laughs> exactly. But a lot of people don't know. It's a social media site. Six seconds. You've got a six-second video you can put up there. And um, there's just some funny stuff out there. But, you know, there, there's a fine line, and Sky, help us with this. Um, there's a fine line between flirting and just being creepy. And oh, I, I, I noticed that you've actually kind of done both sides. Uh, yeah. you've, you've got the creep down a little bit, but you've also got the flirt down. What what do you sense is the difference? Um, I think creepy, it's like it's when, when uh, you're like, I don't know, asking very awkward questions. And I think I think you just get creepy when you try too hard. You have to learn to relax and, and just have fun. Yeah. But when you try too hard and when you're thinking about it too much, then that's when you get creepy. Yeah. Or, you know. When you look at her too long, like for three yeah, minutes, three minutes with that, three minutes of one look, that's creepy, wouldn't you say, Mary? And if you and then if you drop her off, but you like stay outside her house and like yeah, throw things at her window, window. That, that gets a little creepy. Also, yeah, that's good. Oh, or <laughs> if you bring that. in um, roadkill. Yeah, the roadkill. Maybe not roadkill on the first date. That's more of a second date. Yeah. Type of thing. That's like a ratcheting yeah. it up. You're ratcheting yeah. it up to roadkill. If you're about if you're about to talk to her father about marriage, that's when you do the roadkill. Yeah, that's true. You ought to bring some. It's like a dowry. Hey, Merritt, oh, yeah. um, listen to what Merritt says here, Skyboy. So, Merritt, you're the female of the show. I you're am, representing yeah. our, our token female. Is she's our token gonna... female, sadly. Except the, the sad say. tragedy is she's. We're more like the token because she's the one that makes everything happen. <laughs> so I don't know if you can have five tokens and then the real deal. I like to just that doesn't count that Merit point. The I real guess. deal. I don't know. No. Uh, so, Merritt, um, creepy. Where's the line? Creepy. Because flirty is cute, you know. Oh, that was cute, and then don't poke, like no. this guy's telling us. No. Um, but then creepy is like where wow, 
he needs to leave my doorstep because I've been inside 10 minutes. <laughs> there, I don't know. It's hard to say because there's just a point where I feel uncomfortable. It's usually when I, I guess they're exhibiting so much more interest in me than I have in them. Yeah that I feel like I have to do something about it. No, no, it's, it's much simpler than that. It actually ma- doesn't matter what the guy does. The guy could do anything or nothing. Really just matters how attractive he is. Oh. And so if he's super attractive, he could do the creepiest of things and it will be considered sweet and kind and Really? Thoughtful. So you're saying that... They're... But if he's, if he's ugly, weird-looking guy, um, he, could, he could do absolutely nothing and he'd be like, that guy's creepy. Do you see how creepy he is? Really? I, I would I would say maybe that's true, except I would I would line it more on hygiene instead of <laughs> okay. Attractiveness. No, that's interesting. Yeah. So we we're, we're not even doing a show on hygiene, but flirting <laughs> with hygiene is like a really good shot. Yeah. Flirting without hygiene is automatically creepy. Yeah. Creepy. <laughs> wow. Sorry, Sky. <laughs> that's yeah. I think I do think Bryce is right in some sense, though. I think what? a lot of girls. Hold on. You, I think, you think a lot I'm what? of girls. He says you're right. Okay, Bryce is right. <laughs> it's like a segment we do. Okay, keep going, Sky. No, there's a, there's a lot of girls. Another their way of saying that someone's ugly is just calling them creepy, and then all of a sudden it's okay to make them seem less shallow. Okay. Oh, he's a oh he's a creep. He's really. a creep. But no, Merritt's actually maybe confirming that what that might mean in girl talk is he just doesn't he hasn't bathed. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That. I, I'm really wishing I could deny this and like take one for women and say that's not true, but yeah. it's totally true. But at the same time, you know, I don't know that a creep would go out of his way to flirt with a girl he finds unattractive. So, well, depends on the creep. <laughs> depends why he's creeping. One of the interesting things, though, it seems like um, flirting. It seems like it should be natural, you know. Like you should know how to flirt, and it seems like the more we actually talk about flirting. That's problematic because then it's like trying to do like a like a the cha cha. No, it's like the more the more you think about it. Like I always get like flirting tips. Girls are like, yeah. well, I've heard that if you do this, if you tilt your head. No, we talked about head tilting. Like the more the more you talk about it, the weirder it gets. The the one that's like <laughs> really strange for me is like I've been told several times by several different people that if you really want a guy's attention, you need to touch his elbow. Whoa! Why? Actually, Rob. Colonel Sanders just perked up right there. Apparently, you've hit a nerve. Apparently, there's an elbow oh, there's, nerve. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I can back this up. I was at a uh, church function last night. I was sitting talking to some other girls. Did she do the elbow a- touch? Another girl came sat nearby talking to another group of people. And in the process, she accidentally bumped her elbow into mine. Whoa. And that sent some kind of like, whoa. <laughs> Accidentally, this is like walking up to somebody and like purposefully. I don't know. Yeah, you're not like, saying accidentally. Like with your fingers. Yeah, with your fingers. Touch like, elbow. Yeah. No. On, well, that would have just or made arm. it. That would have just made it more powerful. Wow. But I'm saying yeah, even no. this accidental elbow and elbow, I asked her out, and it worked. See, it's a spark. See, that touch See, creates a spark. I guess so. Yeah. See, but that's creepy. It's not, it's not the elbow. It's, not it's like creepy. there's a muscle below the elbow. But here's elbow. the idea. You can't sit there and say, must touch his elbow and that will create a moment of flirting. <laughs> if that's what you're doing, yeah, you're setting exactly. yourself up. I, I, would, not, I would not have asked her out at that point. Really? See, but that just means you need more touch, Rob. Yeah. Girls, I mean, you're right. There's an agreement right there. Okay. What was that, Sky? Girls, 
girls touch a lot when they're flirting. If they like you, they'll touch you. Now that lot. and that seems like when they, when they, the reverse when wouldn't they talk, matter. They'll like, they'll like touch your leg, they'll touch your arm, they'll touch your hand, and that's and if they're doing that, then you know you're in. I think you're right. But what kind of girls are you dating? Anyway, uh, because but that doesn't seem like it would go the reverse. If all of a sudden this guy was touching your elbow a lot, that seems like that'd be creepy. Unless I guess he's really good looking and has good hygiene. <laughs> Unless he's really good looking. Now, I, I'm just – this is probably more personal preference, but if I do not know somebody well, I don't want them in my bubble. So Hold it. Yeah. You have a bubble? <laughs> yeah, like a personal, Your personal space, space bubble. bubble. Yeah. It yeah. can't be infringed upon. It's like the what girl in the bubble. Like yeah. Nicest guy in the world, though. Yeah, he's question. the nicest guy in the world. He could probably infringe. You'll let him in your yeah. bubble. I don't know where the bubble came from, but that's a great little metaphor. You're all quiet over there, Bryce. Well, I haven't heard you be quiet for a long time. This, this is, means we must be on a subject. I'm just thinking, like, let's let's flip this the other way, okay? I, I like what you were talking about with like, oh, silly tricks that yeah. that girls come up with. You know, touch his elbow. I don't know. How about you just walk up and be like, I am interested in you. Me like you. You nice. No, no. You this pretty. is like hitting on something yeah. that I just, if we were more straightforward, there would be so much less confusion. Uh, well, see, that and would then take away the need for flirting. See, flirting is no, subtle flirting, communication. No, because flirting can be a way to increase a relationship that has already started. Mm-hmm. And you could, I mean, if you're interested with somebody, even if you're dating, you're going to flirt with someone. If yeah. you're married, you're probably still going to flirt with your spouse. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be some like it's like this weird code that you have to like get through. It's I don't know. It's like it a is. booby trap. That yeah. Set then up. you're in trouble. It's like, like and well, if you manage to slip by, then you're in and you can be interested <laughs> in somebody. It's like it's like the person who it's like taking the scenic route, but the scenic route is like covered in spikes and bears and all kinds of horrible Dangerous. things. And you could just take a direct route. Like there's a straight one. Like it's one mile. goes that Or you can take the scenic route. That's 400 hmm. miles. No, and, and you can die. And here's the thing. <laughs> if a guy came up to me and yeah. I had known him a little bit, if it was totally out of blue, this might be weird. But if I knew him and he just came up to me and said, hey, I'm really interested in you. I would actually, that would be very attractive to me because that's really, really yeah, that takes a lot of guts. No, I know. But see, that's the problem because then you'll be like, eh. Nope. See, but flirting allows me to kind of, without an, a majorly over risk, I can just move my eyebrows funny. Wah, wah, wah. Hey, you thinking what I'm thinking? Kind of like that. If you're, if you're on radio land, you can't see that, but I'm moving my eyebrows. Yeah, seeing that in person sets off uh, the buzzer, too. <laughs> oh. You know when we talked about creepy? I mean, I don't know. It's just whatever. <laughs> see, it's better being on the phone than being there. And yeah, it. well, I, you know, we recorded it for you, though. Um, but okay. see, that allows me to kind of create this little nuance moment that then is safe enough that then you can reciprocate with your own little eyebrow wah, wah, or an elbow touch. Elbow touch! <laughs> or like, oh, tilt your head. Head tilt for yeah, the just ladies. So you know, something guys have never done. Be like, so how was the date with this girl? And he's like, well, you know, we did this and this. And then, dude, she totally touched my elbow. She touched my elbow. That's a sentence that has never been uttered, oh, yeah. ever. <laughs> or the head tilt. But t- touching, touching the elbow does shift it from talking to this girl at a party. Yeah, she was pretty cute. Girl touches your elbow. It's like, oh, I was talking to this really hot girl at a party. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it unless, reframes it. Unless she touches your arm and then the next words are, I'm going to need you to leave. Something, something my uncle once told me. He was like, sometimes the most attractive thing about a woman is that she likes you. And then. Amen. <laughs> right, right. 
<laughs> I think we're on to something I like, here. She went from just a girl at a party to this really hot chick with one <laughs> touch of the elbow. See, so you guys are saying, though, maybe we ought to circumvent the flirting and just go straight yeah, to the well, buffet table. There's too much of a game involved with flirting, and so there are those in the world who are like recreational flirters yeah. who do it just for fun oh, and for the those, adrenaline yeah. and the attention. Those are the professionals. Not because they want anything further than that. See, so, those are the teases. So yeah. flirting to the extreme, extreme flirters, which are, I think, a Mountain Dew tour. Um, they're called extreme flirters. They are, they are just teases. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but they also kind of sour the flirting for the rest the rest of the population of okay. because well what what some people have the problem with is some people just flirt and they never get to the point of actually asking a girl out they just flirt with the girls okay Which have, again that's to, where guts comes cut, in you have to cut straight to the point and tell a girl you think she's pretty and you want to take her on a date and then on the date is when you start flirting but you have to do it naturally whoa sky deep yeah. wisdom look at you where's this guy been We've been in Iowa lately. When you get to <laughs> Iowa, you turn into like a whole different guy. Yeah. I mean, here you're usually just like, I don't know, cowering in a unitard. I think it's the humidity. Is it the humidity? <laughs> I think it's it's all the outdoor stuff, too. It's all the, it's just all the testosterone you're getting there. Whatever yeah. it is, it's working. <sighs> well, we miss you, Skyboy. Um, are you going to listen to the show today about flirting? Uh, of course. Because we actually made it for you. Oh, really? You make every show for me, though, so... Yeah, but this one you really need. Your mom called That's and said really you really need. need this one. Okay. I'll she's, go, she's actually in the kitchen. I can go. Yeah, go turn it on and yeah. just talk to mom and then try to get some feedback from her. All right, I will do that. Sky, we miss you. We're going to have to call you regularly. I mean, I know you're on vacation and I know you're not getting paid for this, but it will benefit you and your kin. I appreciate it, Matt. You're the best, yeah. okay. You guys have a good one. Good luck. Happy Flirt Fest. Uh, We are going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to go in deep into this flirting topic. Do you feel like you're a flirt? And, you know, if you're, by the way, if you're married, you shouldn't be flirting with other people, right? Have you ever had your wife say, you're such a flirt? The number one person you should be flirting with when you're married is how about your spouse? Do you still do that? You're still teasing each other a little bit. Um, We're going to take a break. When we come back, our own Bryce Tobin is going to talk about... uh, The pains of the giggle. The giggle, the great giggle flirt uh, brought to you by The Bryce is Right, right here on The Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Could your shopping coupons play a video? Will your concert tickets play free music? Disposable paper USB drives could make it happen. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. A disposable USB thumb drive made out of paper will be hitting the market this year. Made with a tiny silicon chip about as big as a grain of rice and conductive ink, all the functions of a thumb drive can be laminated into three sheets of regular paper and added to mass-printed items like business cards, resumes, brochures, and pamphlets. To use the drive, you tear off a perforated strip from the original document, fold it twice, and insert it into your computer or other device. With a capacity of between 8 and 32 megabytes of data, there's room for music files, photos, documents, even a short video. The paper USB drive can also be read wirelessly by some smartphones, just putting the phone next to the chip. And while they're designed to be disposable, the drives can be reused several times and loaded with your own files using a special reader-writer unit. 
how about a greeting card that contains a slideshow of photos? Or concert tickets that include a bonus track from the artist? I wonder if it can store a short radio show. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Did you leave BYU without a degree? I'm thankful for the Bachelor of General Studies program because as I chose the life that I wanted to live, being a full-time mom, staying at home, and raising my children, it just gave me hope that I could still finish my goal, but at the same time I could still be fulfilling my responsibilities as a wife and a mother while still being able to take university courses. Go online to bgs.byu.edu to see if you qualify to finish at home what you started at BYU, Bachelor of General Studies. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are talking about flirting today. Do you feel like you know how to get your flirt on? Because it's a hard it's a hard thing. You know, if you've been married, some of you have probably forgotten how to flirt. And then uh, some of us, you know, some people are, are really good flirts and they never stop. That needs to kind of be dealt with. Today, later, we're going to be talking with Dr. Sean Horan, who's one of the greatest, uh, I think, researchers in the field of communication, he is um, a, a wonderful researcher who's going to give us some tools about why we flirt, where it comes from, what's the whole purpose of it, how you do it. But uh, before that, we've got our own Bryce Tobin, who uh, tends to favor the rant. And uh, Bryce, uh, now I know you, you love a good flirt, you know. Yeah, I, it's a thing I do all the time, and I appreciate it when other people do it around me, or especially with someone I was flirting with. That's my favorite. You like it when you flirt. And the person you're flirting with flirts back. Well, that's cool, but... How about when they touch your elbow? Oh, man, that's it. Game over right there. Boy. Figured it out. Is that why you taped up your elbow? No, actually, actually, if someone touches my elbow, the first thing I'm going to think is, excuse you, that is my elbow. Why are you touching it? You're like, Merritt, get out of my personal bubble space. That's my bubble. But uh, there is one little part of the flirt that you're not so happy about. We call it the giggle. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce is Right. There's this thing that girls do. I call it the giggle. When someone is flirting with them, or if they have decided to make someone a victim of their flirting, they'll punctuate their sentences with this giggle. I can't really replicate it. It's kind of like, ha ha ha, but it's easy to recognize. Real laughter usually isn't very glamorous. It's loud. It can last longer than necessary. There's a lot of facial distortion. You might cry a little bit. I've been known to let a little drool slip out. The conversation has to end. Your face turns all red. But the giggle is none of these things. It's kind of loud, but never too loud for what's going on. It's almost as if its primary use is for conversational validation, but it's only ever loud if it's used to grab someone else's attention. The giggle only lasts a few seconds, and there's nothing inglamorous about it. No crying, no drooling. It's completely and utterly fabricated for the situation. All right, now that we've established which giggle I'm talking about, let me point out my problem with it. Situation one, there's someone this girl likes. While interacting, she tosses in the giggle every now and then. The flirting is successful. They get married the next day. They're happy for the next 80 years where they both die at the same time in their sleep. Whatever, yeah, yeah, hooray. Then there's situation number two. 
I find myself an innocent bystander to this situation all too often. And usually I enjoy watching people embarrass themselves, but even situation two is a little too cringeworthy for me. Here's the setup. Guys and girls are hanging out. One guy decides to do something risky. Let's say he starts juggling knives. I don't know why he does this. Weird stuff happens in the name of flirting. We don't ask questions. But then he'll do something that'll slightly endanger the girl he wants to flirt with. Maybe not even endanger her, just make her nervous. Unsure about how to handle this situation, the girl reverts to her giggle. The guy hears this, he thinks, oh, she likes my danger flirts, let's up the ante. So he juggles more knives, and then lights them on fire while treading water in a pool of lighter fluid. Because as he makes the girl more nervous, she keeps giggling, until the guy hurts himself, but this rarely happens. Normally the girl somehow gets hurt by the flaming knives. The evening takes a dark turn, now she is disfigured, and the guy has effectively ruined his chances with this girl. The first thing I wonder about this is where do guys miss the meaning of the giggle? Or in the very least, how do they think they giggled? Quick, increase the danger 200%. The more she giggles, the more she'll fall in love with me. Now, there is a justification to this that I'll accept. If you're of the school of thought that the physiological response is the source of emotion, not the other way around, and when you consider that the feeling of falling in love and being in grave danger are almost physiologically identical, I can see why someone might take the approach of terrifying them. The hope is that they'll mistake their terror for attraction. But there's one problem with this. There's no solid evidence of this method working. And anyone who's taken this up-the-ante approach to terror flirting hasn't been someone smart enough to put that much thought into planning anything. Yet the second and more important thing is why do girls use the same response for interest and life-threatening fear? I'm just saying, if we're going to giggle, it needs to be interpretable. So here's what I propose. Let's outlaw the giggle and replace it with words. For example, if you're interested in someone and they crack a joke, here's what I want you to say. That joke wasn't funny, but I'm interested in the possibility of a relationship with you, so please keep talking and ask for my number in the next five minutes or I'm going to walk away and probably not give you another chance. Or when someone starts doing something dangerous, instead of the ambiguous giggle, just say, what you're doing has increased the physical and mental stress on my body, I'm releasing an increased amount of adrenaline, I'm beginning to sweat and my pupils are dilating in preparation for something dangerous to happen so that I can escape if necessary, so please stop and don't ask for my number because you aren't getting a second chance. See, that's a lot easier, right? All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Um, I've never heard the term terror flirting. You know, I made it up and, and I like it. So don't use that. I'm going to try and make money off it. Okay? It's almost like you um, don't like a lot of types of flirting. I think there's a lot of ineffective methods. Yes. Um, and, and I don't mind watching people uh, make idiots of themselves. But... <laughs> You're okay with that. Uh, but there's like there's a certain point where things have just gone so bad, so wrong for so long that it really just needs to stop, but it doesn't and it's hard to watch. It's hard to be human and watch another human doing do that. that. You, you almost want to turn your head like it's a train wreck. Exactly. Exactly. Or I just like to giggle. You just giggle along with the yeah, giggle. Yeah, like it's like a nervous giggle. Exactly. Yeah. It's uh you know, it's natural. Right. This flirting thing's natural. So there's something natural. But we're going to ask our expert because there's something going on that would make somebody, you know, not notice how silly they look. I think it's the pursuit of a relationship, at least for I don't know about girls, but for dudes, once you once you dangle that carrot in front of them, the whole like she might want to put up with you for a few months. (laughs) Guys will do just about anything. Yeah. And then and well, and get belligerent at times. Like you remember as a kid. Flirting uh, as was a as kid, simple as like last month, hitting you know. someone with a stick. That used to be hot, flirt. 
Hey, you little tease. Like in high school, someone yeah. smacks you Tripping. on the arm. Yeah. It's on. Now, game on. See how this goes. Uh, we're talking flirting today, and we're going to be bringing in a wonderful expert. Dr. Sean Haran is going to be joining us from DePaul University. He understands why we flirt, how we flirt. And interestingly, did you know the flirting shouldn't end just when you finally get your partner? It's a key component of maintaining your romantic relationships. We're going to be talking about it after the break with Dr. Sean Haran right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. You don't have to be in your car or your office to listen to BYU Radio. Now all your favorite shows can go everywhere you do. Download our free iOS app and listen to BYU Radio on the go. Tune in for The Morning Show, Matt Townsend, Cougar Sports, and more. All on your iPhone or iPad. Download our app today and listen to BYU Radio. Talk about good. Listening to Highway 89 is like having a concert in your living room. You can hear the artist's music and their stories. Usually the beginning of a song will show up and hopefully get you excited enough to work on it, but there usually seems to be a section of the song that I get stuck on, whether it's a bridge or out of the chorus. Catch more music on Highway 89, weekday mornings at 7 Eastern, right here on BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. Notorious former leader of the Boston Irish mob, Whitey Bulger, has now been found guilty of 11 counts of involvement in murders, as well as various other conspiracy and racketeering charges. Bulger will likely face life in prison. New York City's stop-and-frisk policy is unconstitutional, violating both the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments, according to a district judge. Despite the ruling, the practice is expected to continue with added federal oversight. The Obama administration is working to overhaul what it considers to be long-standing unjust treatment of nonviolent drug offenders. New steps are aimed at bypassing harsh mandatory sentences while reducing overcrowding in prisons. FBI agents shot and killed the man suspected of killing a California mother and abducting her 16-year-old daughter. The girl has been reunited with her father physically unharmed but says her captor fired at least one shot at authorities before he was killed. A resort villa near Disney World in Florida had to be evacuated early this morning when a sinkhole caused portions of the building to collapse. Witnesses say the three-story building could be seen leaning with large cracks forming at the base of the structure. In world news, supporters of deposed former Egyptian President Mohamed Morsi are standing firm in their protests and warned any attempt to clear demonstrators from the streets will be met with violence. Newly appointed government leaders say they are trying to resolve the situation with dialogue. A 98-year-old Hungarian man accused of torturing Jews and helping send them to concentration camps during World War II has died before he could be brought to trial. The man was named the most wanted war crime suspect by a Nazi hunting group last year. That's the news to half past the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are taking on some dating issues, and we thought we'd bring on an expert. Who better to bring on 
than Dr. Sean Haran, who is a faculty member in the College of Communication at DePaul University. He researches the communication that occurs in dating relationships, uh, which is honestly, uh, you know, critical, not only to, to get married, but to keep kind of the love alive. And we're talking today especially about this, uh, the technique, I guess we're calling it, or just the behavior of flirting. So Dr. Sean Horan, he's he's been doing this a, a, quite a while. He actually was just recently identified as the 15th most published scholar in communication from 2007 to 2011. That's a big deal. I don't know if you know, that's how they get paid finally in academia is you got to be publishing in order to kind of to punch your meal ticket. So he's, he's, he's prolific in publishing. He's also done a lot of research that has been featured in various outlets, including ABC News Radio, Fox News, Men's Health, and the Chicago Sun-Times. Dr. Haran, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Well, thank you. Uh, quite an introduction. I appreciate that. You bet. And it's so good to have you. I mean, really, to have a real, you know, kind of academic expert in the dating world, it's 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 hard to find because so much of it is just kind of, you know, you know, pop there's culture. A lot of, there's a lot of pop culture stuff out there, and uh, and that's fine, you know, but uh, it just happens to reinforce a lot of stereotypes typically. Right. Whereas I'd take a scientific approach, and I want to know what's really going on. So. Well, Everything I say comes from studying people. Well, and I love that. Enlighten us, because um, flirting—so we're kind of talking about flirting in general, relationships in general, I guess, flirting in specific. Is it—there's just some people that don't seem to do it or pull it off very well. Is is flirting that necessary? Flirting is, is extremely important, uh, if you think about it, because when you see someone, how are you going to approach them, and what are you going to say? Yeah, you can't just uh, jump in. And say, marry me. No, it, no, that would be very creepy. <laughs> and and it kind of brings up this old sort of debate of nature. Nurture is, is a good communicator, in this case, a good flirter. Are they born or are they trained? Mm. Is it, you know, biology or skills. And I think the answer really comes down to both. Yeah. And that's the tough part, because I could teach someone tried and true flirting messages, if those even exist. I, I couldn't even say what they are. Right. But if they can't deliver them the right way with those, you know, really smooth nonverbals and, and watching the other person, then it's going to go terribly wrong. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, I guess that's one of the problems with the pop culture side of it is there's money to be made in teaching the skills, except, you know, maybe what might be more important is some of the, the, uh, the bigger picture behind it. So flirting then, I guess what you're saying is our, it's our initial kind of foray into a relationship. Absolutely. I always tell my students and and my friends and anyone really that anytime you meet someone, it has the potential to be a romantic relationship until it's not. And so you have to think about whether it's work, the grocery store, a friend of a friend or at a bar or anywhere. When you meet someone new, that could be a relationship. And then, and then, so, unless dis, unless confirmed otherwise, right? Unless disconfirmed yeah. as a relationship, which would um, then just say move on. If not, you're now creepy. Or we're friends, you know. Or, or we're friends, yeah. But but definitely, you always have to know when to abandon ship. Yeah, <laughs> I think flirting is difficult on one hand because it requires a really uh, intrinsic level of other awareness. You have to read the other person every time. A line that would work on one person will work on another, yeah. and you have to see how are they responding to you. Which is why you can't just go about your dating life with just a line, right? You'd, it'd be oh, better yeah. to learn the principle of just awareness and other awareness. If someone says these are the top five best storylines that will always work, that's, that's the problem, <laughs> because that's 
they're not always going to work. That's okay. I, I got one for you. And Sean, you're the expert, okay? But this is one uh-huh. I learned on, I've done it on the show a lot because it seems to really get great results. Um, you go up to somebody, bar, wherever, and you say, hey, are you from Jamaica? Oh, and, and they'll say, what? And you'll just say, because Jamaican me crazy. Yes, I, I've heard a couple of these bad ones. It's good, uh, isn't you go up to someone and you say, how much does a polar bear weigh? And they look at you and you say, enough to break the ice. Uh, funny. <laughs> bad one. Yeah, it's better to just kind of let it come to you. Just, well, I think, too, I, I always try to remind people if someone has had the courage to come up to you, it's always nerve wracking to talk to someone. They're flattering you. Yeah. If they're expressing interest in you. And so, really. Let them down easy. Don't act bothered or annoyed because you just don't know. It's a compliment. But I also tell people, know when to abandon ship. If you're talking to someone for five minutes and it's going terribly, just cut your losses. (laughs) Walk away. And I guess part of that is back to the principle. You've got to be receiving some feedback loop that's showing you she's not in. She's not in. Absolutely. Focus on those nonverbals. Up to 93% of the emotional meaning of anything we communicate is nonverbal. So what are they maybe not saying verbally? They're screaming to you non-verbally. Mm. What, um, so one reason you're saying we flirt uh, and we need to be paying attention to the non-verbals, one reason we, we actually do the flirting is, I guess, we're, we're testing the relationship to see if this is one that can go to the next level to, to maybe become a, a dating partner. What, what are some other reasons we flirt? We flirt, uh, another reason is because it's fun. It's an enjoyable interaction. We flirt because it builds or reinforces our self-esteem. We flirt because of attraction. Uh, we flirt to escalate the relationship. We may flirt to get something. Even in a established relationship, you may flirt to get your partner to maybe do a household chore or do a favor for you, things like that. But I think an important distinction that we often don't think about is that we do flirt with people that we are not attracted to. Oh no, so Flirting is not always romantic. Okay, so what's, I mean, that, I guess that's the same thing. So if, I, if you're flirting with somebody you're actively or actually not attracted to, you still might be doing it for fun or just to get what you want. Absolutely. I always use examples of, a, you know, you always see maybe, at a, I always use a wedding example. You have older aunts and uncles who are maybe hitting on bridesmaids, but it's more tongue-in-cheek and the bridesmaids flirt back and it's just kind of funny. Yeah. Or anyone who works in the service industry. Is making a lot of money off of flirting, and good for them. If, if their customers don't get it, then good for them. Is, is, there a, is there a difference between a flirt and somebody that's just blowing smoke, that phrase, of somebody that's just buttering us up? Like, I mean, because you could butter someone of the same sex up. You know what I mean? But that's not flirting. That would be just stroking their ego. And it seems like the same motive, getting what you want. Yeah, we- it would really be a fine line, and it's interesting because you'd have to look at maybe pull the source and the receiver side and find out their goals. Because yeah. the one party in the interaction, it could be flirting, but to the other party, it's not flirting, and that's where the ambiguity lies. And but, flirting is inherently and intentionally ambiguous. That's interesting. Yeah. I guess it's – and it's – so, so that, that's interesting. Is the flirt in the sender or the receiver? Is it me sending the flirt? Here it comes, my best line ever. Or is it the receiver, yeah. whether they even get it, feel it, pick it up? I mean, it's a – and you're saying it, I guess it's both. It's, it's both because there is no objective reality. It's what does the source think, what does the receiver think, and then what do observers think? Yeah. And, and it's, oftentimes people flirt 
in a very ambiguous way. Yeah. So it allows them to save face. Yeah, so yeah, you didn't put it out too far. They can say they were joking. They weren't flirting. They were just joking around, just playing around. How, how much of it is, that's an interesting little dynamic, because um, cause you, you could also make the flirting so uh, ambiguous that not only are you not risking anything, you're also not getting anything because it was just too vague. So, true. so it's so, almost like you got to amp it up a little bit, right, to put it, I guess, enough in the risk zone that it can also be understood. Which Exactly, which is why you have to focus on the response of the person. So you may start off sort of harmless and ambiguous, and if they seem to encourage that behavior, be receptive to that, you may escalate it and push the envelope. Yeah, it's fascinating. And it's but the issues come when you don't read that person, and then you're yeah. just becoming a, a creeper. Yeah, you're just a creeper that just keeps poking me. Quit poking me. Yeah. It's because <laughs> k- kids, too. I mean, we learned it. If you just watch, um, if I watch, I took my son, how old would he have been? Seven, to a, a parent-teacher meeting. And in the meeting, we were talking to the teacher, and another girl from his class was there, and they were chasing each other. He was probably six. But they were chasing each other all around the room. And it was a little bit of flirting. And yeah. teasing. And so it's almost like at a very young age, it's kind of a it's a it's a playful way to to express that you like somebody chasing them, tripping them. But you do see uh, and some people as adults, you see uh, this is an academic term, but they use more banter to flirt. Yeah. So it's a playful insult or sarcasm or joking around and that sort of style. But again, we grow out of the childhood yeah, of thank you. you know throwing a ball at someone or stealing their crayons. <laughs> yeah, thankfully. yeah, hitting them in the head with a ball—that just doesn't fly. <laughs> um, it's Not it's also lot. I've even seen people um, like in like you were mentioning it earlier, but you know, like weddings kind of seem notorious for this, where you flirt with you know the grandma, yeah. and 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 it and it's so endearing, and it's it's just it's it's a really endearing thing too. But if we jump back to that esteem mode, it sort of reinforces our self-esteem. Even if it is an older person, there's a marked age difference. Even though they're hitting on us, it makes us feel better. Like, yeah. oh, I still got it. I'm working this old lady. It's, it's, and uh, weddings really are rock bottom. If you're like 23 and above, for whatever reason, you think that you're going to die alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's endearing. I mean, that's fun. And I guess so there's a playful side to this. There's probably two, uh, there's, there's an actual place where there's, there's gotta be a lot of singles out there that struggle with this. And then a lot of people that are married that kind of quit flirting because, eh, I got her. She's not going anywhere. I think the healthiest attitude for anyone to ever have is that the relationship is an incredible amount of work. And they need to work at it the rest of their lives. And when you don't work at it, it starts to fall apart. Yeah. And, and, and so research shows that flirting is one form of how we, one way we maintain our relationships. So when there's high levels of flirting, we're typically more satisfied in our relationship, more committed, things like that. Yeah. So that's actually a pretty good indicator for any of the listeners. If they just kind of evaluate their own flirting with their spouse or long term partner or whatever, they should be seeing, if they're not seeing some flirting there, then maybe we're we're missing something. Well, one way I think to bring it back is just if they're worried that their partner's not flirting, they can start flirting. Yeah. So that's, we'll be yeah, to bring that back, and they'll be reciprocated. It's an equal opportunity skill set. Yes. Is it, and again, it's natural, so it's the, if versus nature versus nurture. We were talking earlier, if, if I have to go take a class on flirting, it seems, that seems to me problematic. 
because now I'm going to be focusing on something that maybe should be more intuitive, more natural. Yeah. And I, well, yeah. And I just think that if you're taking, it's always good to work on your communication. Yeah. But you know, the the PhD in communication, we're not a skill set and we're not a prescription. I can't just give you X, Y, and Z to do. Because everything we do depends on the situation. Right. And so with study communication, we have to focus on the source, the receiver, and the location, and their history. Yeah. And all those things influence behaviors. And that's why there are no laws in social science. There's only theories. Yeah. There's no one-size-fits-all across, across disciplines. And that's what makes people critical of social science. But the amount of variability in human behavior doesn't let me say one size fits all. Here's the best three floating lines. Right. Well, I guess. I guess. But one law that you kind of did give us is um, you need some feedback loop. Absolutely. And so be open to feedback and be looking for it intentionally. <laughs> but it's not well, a prescriptive also, line, is it? It's not one that you can say now do this. It's it's almost no. more notice, <laughs> pay attention. Well, in any relationship, you need to focus. So, with platonic romantic, focus on those nonverbals because, as I said. Our emotional meaning, our true meaning, comes from our nonverbal messages, which is why when you're you maybe argue with a romantic partner and you ask, are they mad at you? And they say, no, you know they're angry at yeah. you. Because they're nonverbally, they're vocal, they're vocalics, they're size, they're giving it away. We always believe the truer nonverbal message. Yeah. And if you just meet someone, one basic tell is to look at their eyes. When we are attracted to someone, our pupils dilate. So really? we, it's something we can't control. So if you're talking to someone... You just meet them, and their pupils are dilating. That's a good sign. Now, or they're drunk. Obviously, okay, by uh, lighting as alcohol and alcohol as well. So if you're last call at a bar, yeah, then, yeah, and it's dimly lit, and then they walk right out into the sun, into the lamplight. It may not be love. Yeah. You, well, and you may think that you're like the coolest guy in there. Then too, it's the last call at a bar. Everyone's pupils are dilated. <laughs> not you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Walk away. Good stuff. We're, we're, uh, we're going to take a break. We're talking with Dr. Sean Haran um, from DePaul University, faculty member there in the College of Communication. He's teaching us about dating communication and, and kind of the, uh, the little nuances we see while we're dating. We've been uh, talking about uh, the great gift of flirting. And we're going to come back, take a break. You're listening to BYU Radio right here on the Matt Townsend Show. What do you tell your dry cleaner when you bring them your solar-powered clothing? This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. The sun gives away for free between 3 and 6 kilowatt hours per day per square meter. That's what makes solar power so tempting and what drives people to keep inventing and perfecting ways to harness that free energy. But solar cells are hard and brittle and expensive. What if we could make a solar power fabric? University of Maryland researchers thought of a novel way to make that happen. They altered the formula for making optical fibers and created an optical fiber that is also photovoltaic, solar energy collecting fiber optics. Being a flexible fiber, these solar collectors could be woven into flexible cloth. A suit made of that cloth could gather enough juice to power all the modern tech toys an average person may carry. Such fibers are also able to detect laser radiation, so solar clothing might also link to your personal cell phone using power and data picked up by your coat. A soldier wearing it could be warned of a target laser shining on him, even if it wasn't visible. If you have grant money, they're still working on getting those shoes to match. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. 
Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Want more BYU Radio? Then check out our YouTube channel where we post segments from your favorite shows. And if you have a specific episode you'd like to listen to again, or even share with a friend, then let us know on our Facebook or Twitter pages and we can add the episodes you want to hear. Check out BYU Radio on YouTube and subscribe. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are joined with uh, or by Dr. Sean Haran, Ph.D. He uh, works, you know, at the wonderful DePaul University. is in the is a faculty member there in the College of Communication, and he's trying to walk us through some of the uh, the nuances that you see in communication in our dating relationships. We've kind of been harping a little bit on flirting. But uh, we're going to maybe take it a little a little broader. By the way, you can follow um, Sean on his Twitter feed at, at the real Doctor Sean S E A N at the real Doctor Sean and uh, and follow him. So, Doctor Sean, uh, thanks again for joining us. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet. I mean, this is uh, it's it's a fun topic. It's it's a funny thing when I work with couples um, in my practice. A lot of times. They'll sit there and they'll say this phrase, and I'm sure you deal with this. In fact, I know you've researched it profoundly. Look, this shouldn't be such a big game. It just feels like this is a game. And um, is it, 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 are relationships a game? Uh, for some people, they are. I mean, it's like... Uh, I think that there are people who, for whatever reason, maybe their attachment style or different issues, do play games in their relationships, and they function as tests. Uh, maybe a sense of security, but not everyone's like that. Yeah, well, but like the, your your line, you had a great line earlier about a flirt. You said a flirt is inherently and intentionally ambiguous, and yeah. and so part of that it seems like is almost the inherent gamesmanship we play, where where one of us is not being fully honest or open enough to make it not ambiguous, and we keep things ambiguous so as not to be hurt. So is that, I mean, it's almost like, you know, um, we, we don't really know what we've got with our partner till you know, two years later, two, two years after we've married them, and then all of a sudden, they're maybe not as deceiving as they were before, or hiding this ambiguity. <laughs> Which may be good or bad. Yeah, exactly. Depending on how honest they're being. Uh, I, I always sort of challenge my students, I teach courses in relationships, uh, where we take, we just study the research, and one of the lines I always challenge them to do is to stop playing the games and yeah. to be an adult in your relationship. There's plenty of, you know, quote-unquote adults who act like kids in relationships. Yeah, you bet. Because they don't know how to. Our earliest memories involve relationships. And because we've been speaking our entire life and been in relationships, relationships our entire lives, people think they're experts at relationships. When in reality, I encourage everyone to take coursework in this field. Yeah. Because... It's going to be your greatest joy and pleasure and pain your entire life. So why not understand the science behind it to help improve your relationship? And, and I think part of that stems from stop playing the game. Just be open and honest. Yeah, but but you know what? They won't like me if I tell them that I sleep until noon every day. Well, it depends. Maybe they maybe they do the same thing. Similarity <laughs> is a key predictor of attraction. Yeah, you might so, find out later that you both sleep in. 
Yeah, you were just hiding that. Uh, and, and again, you can really tell your partner a lot of things. It just depends on how you tell your partner. No, exactly. And that's the key. Not one of the research repeatedly shows it's like a conflict. It's not what you fight about. It's how you fight mm-hmm. that predicts whether you stay together and the reactions. So really working at crafting these messages properly. Tell me a little bit about the relationship between deception and affection. Oh, uh, that's one of my areas of research that, that I've been doing for a number of years uh, in established relationships and looking at how people use affection to lie. And oh, what I really? mean by that is when do they express affection that they don't really feel or when do they withhold affection when they feel affection? And in established relationships, we find that individuals use affection to lie about three times a week to their non-married romantic partners, but established relationships. Wow. Okay, give me an example of somebody using affection to deceive. Uh, Telling your partner that they look beautiful when you think they look terrible. Yeah. Or, yeah, no, I like those shoes. Something like that. Or even, uh, you know, telling your partner that you're very happy with them. Maybe you've had a huge fight and you're not happy with them, but you just say that to end the fight. Uh, Oftentimes people, this is a common example, Individuals said they would kiss their boyfriend or girlfriend and say goodnight, and they weren't feeling this overwhelming affection at the moment, but they knew it was routine, or it had to be reciprocated. If I don't kiss them back, I will offend them. Right, and then so then all of a sudden you're doing these things you don't really feel. Yeah. The lie. My, one of my, my main areas of research is deception, and, and what's interesting about this is societally we have this stigma that lying is bad and we don't lie. I'm always, I don't lie. Mm-hmm. We always lie, and we lie the most to the person that we date. But we do it for them because they can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. It's interesting because, again, it's, it's not – we think of lying as these huge, terrible things, but these are common lies. And it's interesting you should say we do it for them. That's a common motive. That's, call them that's what we say, right? Motive. Yeah. But uh, let me challenge you on this. You're not doing it for them. No. You're doing it for yourself because when you say you're doing it for them, you're thinking, I don't want to hurt their feelings. When in reality, if you hurt their feelings, you will feel bad that you hurt their feelings. Yeah. So partially you're doing it for them, but you're doing it for yourself, too. You don't want to feel bad. Now, it's interesting, because what would happen, you wonder, if you were married to somebody that was just completely honest? <laughs> that, again, like, honesty is not bad. No. It depends on how they're saying it. Well, yeah. I mean, so then, then I mean, it's, then it's like, no, I love you. Your dress is just ugly. Although I, I do agree that a healthy amount of deception is healthy. Yeah. Not to be redundant, but we do need it. If, if, and there's movies about this. I mean, think of, I, I'm not fans of these movies, but Jim Carrey was in that one movie back. Was it Liar, one. Liar? Yes. And then uh, there was The Invention of Lying. Again, these aren't really great movies, but sort of the basic premise of, you know, I can't lie. Yeah. It illustrates how important lying is to our culture. Isn't that weird? Because, you, you know, you shouldn't lie. It's in the Bible. <laughs> Which is why people don't lie, because we think of it as morally wrong. Right. But then if you cite these selfless reasons, it's rude to say that it would hurt their feelings. Well, at the core of it, it's still lying. Mm-hmm. And so we really uh, raise our kids. I was in, I was interviewed about this once, and, and sort of the basic interview was dealing with how do I tell my kids not to lie? Even though my argument is you're telling them not to lie. But they will be lying, so you're really raising some very guilty children. Yeah, it's in, yeah. all of a sudden, like you're saying, they know they're in deception. I mean, they know they're not being 100% there. So then I guess we just get – we probably get better and better at, dis, at masking the deception. 
Some of us do. Yeah. Most of us do. Not all of us. There's still people who are, are terrible liars. <laughs> It's it's funny because a lot of people would not think of this, Sean. They wouldn't think of it as a lie. They would just call it I'm being compassionate. I'm just being helpful. I mean, I'm being nice. We frame it very nicely, but it's still lying. Mm-hmm. And if you look at how dominant researchers in deception talk about it, they'll say deception is not good or bad. It just is. Yeah. And one of the best ways to sort of understand deception is to look at the motive. Why do people say they're lying? And that helps you better understand the type of lie. Mm. And, 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 you're lying because you're a sociopath trying to manipulate them and you have no feelings. Right. Or are you lying to not hurt someone? You just don't want to eat grandma's fruitcake. Exactly. It's just a lie. No, I love it. Just give me more fruitcake, grandma. <laughs> <laughs> but in reality, you toss it every time you walk out the door. Every time. It's uh, it's funny. Again, you don't you don't think of that, but it's you're, what you're saying is it's a core part of our of, of I guess all of our human relationships is I mean think about work. How many times mm-hmm. a day do you lie at work or deceive well, at I work? Think, I think there's times, too, where you have to look at – you might even be deceiving out of protection just to protect your job. Yeah. Uh, this came up in my studies on workplace romance. Individuals whose friends at work started dating the boss, they lied to more because their friend was now dating the boss. Yeah. Oh, the tangled web we weave. Yeah. And there's, there's some calm researchers will say that they've argued that being a good liar may in fact be communication competence. Oh, is it? Like yeah. It you, skill. Oh, that sounds just bad. To, well, just to throw a little moral judgment on it. Yeah. yeah. But it's interesting. Like, so, yeah, in fact, um, and isn't there research that they call this manipulation? So manipulation would be, you're, you're, you know, a good end. We're doing, we're doing this supposed deceptive act for a moderately healthy reason. But yeah, it's, there, that, it is what it guy, is. Uh, Corey Floyd at Arizona State, and he studied a thousand people in a variety of relationships and looked at how often they had used affection to manipulate someone. So again, these dishonest affection expressions to get what you want. And I want to say something like 86% of the people he studied had done it in the past 30 days. Wow, so it's a highly accepted M.O. Well, it's interesting because we don't accept it. We don't talk about it, but we do it. Yeah. That's why I really think surfacing it is, is important. And, I mean, I think we, I think we all know we're doing it even. So we're probably even mm-hmm. evaluating all data based on the fact of the human life. Good stuff. Absolutely. Sean, we're going to take a break. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Sean Haran, Ph.D. from DePaul University, you got to go check out his uh, Twitter feed at the real Dr. Sean at the real Dr. Sean S E A N. We're going to take a break. Come back with Dr. Sean, and he's going to give us a few more tips, ideas, uh, insights into uh, human relationships and communication. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD Two Provo. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. Notorious mobster Whitey Bulger, who led the Boston Irish mob in the 70s and 80s, has been found guilty of 11 counts of involvement in murders. Bulger's trial took seven weeks and saw over 70 witnesses on the stand. 
The controversial stop-and-frisk policy used by the NYPD is unconstitutional, violating both the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments, according to a district judge. The practice will continue with added federal oversight, but New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg has promised to appeal the ruling. The Obama administration is working to overhaul what it considers to be long-standing unjust treatment of nonviolent drug offenders. New steps are aimed at bypassing harsh mandatory sentences while reducing overcrowding in prisons. FBI agents shot and killed the man suspected of killing a California mother and abducting her 16-year-old daughter. The girl has been reunited with her father physically unharmed, but says her captor fired at least one shot at authorities before he was killed. A resort villa near Disney World in Florida has been had to be evacuated early this morning when a sinkhole caused portions of the building to collapse. Witnesses say the three-story building could be seen leaning to one side with large cracks forming at the base of the structure. In world news, supporters of deposed former Egyptian President Mohamed Morsi are standing firm in their protests and warned any attempt to clear demonstrators from the streets will be met with violence. Duly appointed government leaders say they are trying to resolve the situation with dialogue. A 98-year-old Hungarian man accused of torturing Jews and helping send them to concentration camps during World War II has died before he could be brought to trial. The man was named the most wanted war crime suspect by a Nazi hunting group last year. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we are taking on uh, some learning around the idea of flirting. Now, if you've been married, let's say, for many moons, should you still be flirting with your spouse? Should you, uh, you know, reach Olympic skill sets there and get really good at strengthening your relationship through some fun Flirting. Well, I believe you should. And our expert, Dr. Sean Haran, is joining us. He's from DePaul University. He works in the communication department there. He's a uh, prolific uh, writer and publisher in the field uh, of scholarly communication. In fact, he's the 15th most published scholar in communication from uh, in the field of communication from 2007 to 2011. He's also uh, been writing on a bunch of different blogs, uh, Psychology Today, for example. Plus, some of his research has been used at ABC News, Washington Post, Fox News, Mental or Men's Health, and Chicago Sun-Times. He's, uh, he's a very busy man. Again, his name is Sean M. Horan, H-O-R-A-N. And uh, we welcome you back. Dr. Horan, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show again. Thank you. So good to have you. Um, so we've been talking, too, recently, not just about the flirting. It's an essential part. It's pretty ambiguous because, you know, there's no perfect line in when the flirt has been delivered and when it's been received. That's kind of ambiguous, up to sender and receiver. But we've also been talking about deception. And uh, one of the tendencies we have in our relationships, I guess it's all human relationships, is to lie or to deceive a little bit. Is that, is that what you're kind of pointing out? Absolutely. Is it all human relations? I mean, or is, is it just kind of more closer to the, those relationships that could hurt you a lot more? You know, we, we lie in a variety of relationships, and there's, there's different research on this. Some of the research shows that sort of an anonymous situation, let's say, for instance, the Internet, we are almost more likely to lie to strangers because there's no accountability. So 
sort of the phenomenon of catfishing, of course, that the movie and the MTV show. But then, naturally, we lie to the people we're closest to. Huh. Part of the reason we lie to the people that we're closest to the most is we spend the most time with them. So by sheer fact of communicating with these people more than others, we have more opportunities to lie. Yeah, well, it also seems like you know more about them. So it, it, it seems like in a weird way it would complicate things more because you know moods, ideas, feelings. And it also seems like it's risky. I mean, what if this close relationship doesn't work, you know? So yeah, how many times have I heard a client say, yeah, don't tell dad, but I just bought this? Yeah, that's always a, a risky line. Yeah. They don't tell my spouse or my boyfriend or girlfriend. I always wonder what's going on there. Mm-hmm. No offense to anybody. No, yeah. Uh, <laughs> But if you look at relationships, I just find that a common badge of honor, if you will, in our culture is so-and-so has been together for 20 years and 30 years. And let's be real, that's a huge accomplishment. But I think a bigger accomplishment is being happy because I've seen many a couple who are together 20, 30 years, and I think, do you even get Are you friends? Do you yeah. like each other? I really like those, those passionate relationships. Yeah, that- so I always encourage people to find what I call couple role models. Find those couples in your life who are kind to one another, who aren't being nasty when they fight and who are working at their relationships and sort of try and model your relationship after that. That's it. I mean, that seems like such a, it seems like such a distinction. Time is one thing. Happy time together is another thing. And the funny thing is, is um, we do need role models and it doesn't always have to be your parents. It could be, you know, neighbors, friends. It could be just somebody you met somewhere. It could be a professor you met at college, somebody, that you can look up to and maybe um, get some some third party information or ideas. Well, unfortunately, for some of us, it should never be our parents. Yeah. So. No, really. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and when you think about that, that's I guess that that in and of itself could even set you up for for more hiding or more relationship issues or awkward flirting or a lack of feedback. I mean, how we're raised does deeply impact how we interpret the messages that we're given. Yeah, down to uh, our newborn time when we are sort of forming a relationship with our caregiver. I mean, there's attachment theory and a number of studies that show that how consistent and nurturing that first primary relationship is between infant and caregiver, typically a mother, that sort of the stability of that relationship predicts how we behave in our adult romantic relationships. Oh, yeah. I mean, and so... If I if I didn't attach if I didn't feel safe attaching because I didn't have a parent that was there for me, I might be more likely to be either super needy or just super withdrawn, and then that causes avoidant, anxious, mm-hmm. game playing, mm. uh, things like that. Do you, um, as a as a communication slash relationship expert, do you believe in love at first sight? Uh, I believe in lust at first sight. Yeah, it's different, isn't it? <laughs> Love seems to be more of a stick to thing. Well, I mean, lust is what makes you be drawn to someone, so it's not a bad thing. Mm, it's you know, the draw. You want to go talk to someone, and that could lead to love. But, you know, love is such a complicated phenomenon to begin with because at its core, it's, it's a biological response, and it wears off over time, intensity, and things like that. But, but we do gain a lot at the first 30 seconds. There's a number of vast majority of studies, experimental work, by Ann Beatty in psychology, which people have probably heard of because Notton Gladwell wrote the book Blink. Yeah. So all about these thin slice judgments. And I've read all that work and done my own thin slicing work, and if you look at it, sort of the 30-second judgment or the one-minute judgment of someone is consistent over time. So in the first few minutes, you really know if you're going to get along with someone, if you're going to have a future with someone, if you like them. So 
people trust that gut instinct. Is it just self-fulfillment, though? Is it, is it, I make that judgment, and I'm going to just make the rest of my interpretations meet that first judgment? Or is it that we're really that accurate? I think we're, we're queuing into a lot of nonverbals and things like similarity uh, and uncertainty. Yeah. Because the interesting part is the more aware we become of these things like judgments, the less accurate we are. And that's the ironic part. When people are asked, to sort of explain their thin slice judgment, they have a harder time doing it. And when they're asked to explain it, they sometimes become less accurate. So that, of course, that's, that thin slice judgment is basically your gut instinct feel of what, of the, after one minute of being someone with someone. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're saying the more we actually focus and dive into why they thought that, the less accurate they become. Yeah, and, and be aware of your mood. There, there are studies that show that if you are sad or upset, your accuracy also uh, decreases. Hmm. So if you're sick and tired of being single and you're um, online uh, doing all of your online dating and all of your, you know, machinations on the online system, you might yeah. be, your, your thin slice system might be skewed a bit. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that. I think I, I applaud anyone who online dates because I think that if we look at any interaction, we, uh, we have to look at the goal. Yeah. And everyone who's online dating or speed dating is there with a common goal. There's plenty of times where we meet people, uh, and it's just the wrong timing. Whether it's at work, you know, whether they, it's, uh, they just broke up with someone, it's a friend's birthday, uh, all the timing could be bad. Whereas online dating, speed dating, you're all there for the same thing, and that removes so much ambiguity. But, what if, but what, if I'm, what if I'm so sick and tired of being alone and I'm negative when I'm speed dating? Oh, well, then you need to work on that. Okay, so that that is, <laughs> I guess, but but yeah, I, what's really neat, it seems like, um, because I, I know you've done a lot of research, too, on on first impressions and, and speed dating, even. I mean, we should trust this first impression, kind of this thin slice judgment. Um, what would you, what do you suggest to people that are, that are uh, you know, in places I had a lady once sit down. I was actually doing a speech for a big singles group, and the woman came up to me, and she said, look, Matt, I just want you to look over the audience. And she said these words, do you see anyone there you would want to date? Because I don't. <laughs> and I thought, oh, man, well, you may as well I mean, go home right now because this isn't going to work. There is the stigma with online dating and speed dating and, and these non-traditional dating methods. And when I was 21... I thought it was weird, too. And, and still, my students think it's weird. I think from 18 to 22, when you're surrounded by people your age in college, it yeah. seems weird. Once you leave college, it does not seem weird. It seems brilliant. It's difficult right. to meet someone. Yeah. And so one thing I do is actually show my cousin's wedding video. My cousin, Matt, met a woman on either Match.com or eHarmony, and they want to be married, and they're a good-looking couple. They are good to each other. They're sweet to each other. And I show a video, their wedding video in my class, and my students are like, oh, those are like good-looking, normal, reasonable people online dated. <laughs> so I think we need to work on sort of changing the stigma because yeah. it's not bad. Well, I mean, it's funny because my generation, I'm 44, but it, this was all new stuff. And so that's where all the creeps went because only the creeps would need an yeah. online dating. But I actually – I, I see it's I see it's very successful. I mean, you, the the reality of dating is you need people around you to find somebody, Absolutely. and that's just a well, great. We were, those are great venues. When we were collecting data uh, with Marion Hauser at Texas State, we were collecting data at speed dating events for six months, and I remember thinking that it was going to be some very interesting or unique people. I was twenty three at the time, I think, and 
people were coming in and you talk to people and they just worked too much or they were divorced and had a child and couldn't, you know, come, yeah. couldn't go to the bars all the time. Or you hear, I'm sick of the dating scene. I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of going to bars. I'm sick of this. And then uh, people, when you live in smaller towns, yeah. in a small pool where all these venues allow you to do better. I forget the statistic as well, but there's a common statistic that basically shows that you can go out every Friday and Saturday to a bar for a long time and still not meet the person you're supposed to be with. Right. I mean, so, well, and, and I mean, we, you know, in Utah, we, there, I have a ton of singles that don't go to bars and they don't, they can't find one in their church groups or they can't find one in any other community group. Yeah. I mean, the, the circle's got to be bigger. I mean, dating's got to be bigger than just everyone around you or everyone I at work. Yeah, Talk- and so those, those, those matches allow you to do better. They sort of cast a bigger pool for you. Yeah. Talk about, um, okay, let's kind of go back to flirting, though. But So let's say that I am in a speed dating situation. Um, are, are there any pieces of advice, any advice you'd give us about dating and, and flirting in a speed dating kind of environment, flirting maybe when we're chatting with somebody um, or at work when we're just, I guess flirting would be if if we're looking for love. But how would you use flirting in some of those situations? I think uh, with speed dating and work, you're looking at two different contexts. First, with speed dating, I would work to check my anxiety because you're going to go on a series of six or eight-minute dates, which is not a lot of time, and yeah. don't be nervous. And, uh, and emotions are contagious. So you're going to walk into a room where everyone else is nervous and work to stay calm. Mm. You may walk in calm, but catch that anxiety. Uh, and just know that, that our studies have shown that in 30 seconds, the biggest triggers of attraction were smiling and eye contact. So work to smile and make appropriate eye contact. And by appropriate, you're not staring. You're taking regular breaks, but you're making a healthy amount of eye contact. <laughs> yeah. And you shouldn't be sweating all over because that's just going to be awkward. No, you, you are allowed to have a drink. I would say one drink. What, maybe two. What, what about, okay, so, so the eye contact is actually huge, isn't it? And smiling is Absolutely. huge. Absolutely. I mean, smiling is contagious. Eye contact, exactly. Smiling is contagious, which then helps your date. You're mm-hmm. both getting calmer because our emotions and our nonverbals are linked. So when we smile, we feel better, which is why when you walk in, if everyone's stressed out, you're mimicking their nonverbal gestures, and then you're starting to feel stressed. It's just like a big, yeah, it's like a big pit of snakes. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, somebody's got to change important. it. Think about, think about the first kiss. The first kiss is sort of preceded typically by a long, intense stare. It's a little bit too long, but not weird. Yeah, yeah. And someone's got to make that move where you break the eye contact. Oh, man. That's interesting. Yeah. So you need, there's that moment that just says, okay, the long stare has worked. Go in for the kiss. Now, in workplace, we're not kissing anybody, but um, help understand that because it seems like the smile would also work. In, in yeah, not, I mean, like, not even in the dating sense, but in just building relationships and networking. Absolutely, it would. Uh, work is a tough situation because legally we have sexual harassment. Right. So you may be interested in someone, but legally not know how to express it because you're trying to be ethical and responsible in all these things. Uh, when in reality, we know that one of the key predictors of attraction is spending time with people. Mm-hmm. We typically form attractive perceptions when we spend time with people at work you're spending the most time with these people other than your home life. Right. So it's natural to form bonds and maybe feelings of attraction. So I would really look into, uh, first of all, so some clauses. Some companies don't allow you to date each other. 
which I don't understand how it's legal, how they can forbid relationships, right. but I'm not a lawyer. So look and see if there's clauses. Otherwise, you're going to have to work to really sort of see is there a future outside the workplace. And I think one way you do that is to casually ask that person to spend time with you, whether it be do you want to get a beer, do you want to have dinner, and then outside of work, you'll be able to begin to gauge that sort of perception on that process. Yeah, it so seems like... in work is dangerous. Yeah, I agree. It seems like that would be a better process. I mean, if we had more time with each other outside of the workplace, we could form some bonding. It would be great, I think, to bond not around the uh, the mailroom or, or the water cooler. It might be better to do it in another setting so that it's not necessarily just tied to work just because you work together. Yeah, and, and sort of my advice, I've done a series of studies with uh, Rebecca Chory at West Virginia and Renee Cowan at UTSA, and our repeated advice is always date at your own risk in the workplace. Mm. Just realize that our studies repeatedly show that if you're dating at work, people will treat you differently. It's true, though, huh? Yeah. Oh, they're married. Yeah. 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 Or they're going to avoid telling you things. They may view you as less credible, especially if there's a status difference. If one of you mm-hmm. is higher than the other, it's yeah. always viewed much more negatively than if you're equal status peers. Yeah, you're you're working it. You're working it to get up the ladder. Yeah, absolutely. It can't be love. It's got to be. Yeah. It's got to be an ulterior motive. It's um, talk about with us now. Let's say we get married. We meet them at work, but then we actually go offline to talk and to da- to date. We, we you marry. Talk about marriage and flirting because it seems like one of the first things to go is yeah. that little playfulness. Well, uh, we have to look at sort of how we view our relationship and how satisfied we are is one of four factors that predicts whether or not we'll get divorced over a 15-year period. So satisfaction is incredibly important, and we have to realize that these satisfaction levels are going to change. So, for instance, we're typically the least satisfied in our marriages, our first year of marriage, as well as any time we have a child, the year around that child. Mm. And we research finds, a lot of this is uh, Brandy Frisbee at Kentucky. She's found that when you flirt, it helps your satisfaction levels, which is important, and it makes sense. If you're flirting with me, I'm going to be more satisfied. But again, that reinforces our bond yeah. and helps maintain our relationship. It's uh, like, my own work has found that affection, which again could be flirting, is key in understanding whether or not we're going to stay together. Melanie uh, with Butterfield at West Virginia and I have documented that affection is sort of a thermometer of your relationship. If you want to know if you're going to stay together, let's look at how affectionate you are. And I think the two biggest tells of whether a couple is going to last are affection and conflict communication. I could look at those two things and probably figure out if you have a future. Oh, that's great. So affection, and that can be in, I guess, a variety of forms. That's just not yes. sex. That could be uh, touching. Holding that could hands, be yeah. massages, verbal compliments, kissing, anything. And then conflict resolution was the other. Yeah, I see, the, I see those exact things, those two. It's not what you fight about, it's how you fight. It's sort of my mantra all the time. That's huge. Man, it's almost like you know what you're talking about, Sean. I'm trying. <laughs> you are a great researcher. We appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. Now, if, if they want to follow you, I guess they could go look you up on on uh, Psychology Today, or they can just follow you on Twitter at the yeah. Real Doctor Sean D R S E A N, and that's a great way to follow you, huh? Yep. Yeah, if they Google Adventures in Dating, I should be the first hit for Psychology Today. Great Adventures in Dating. Go Google that, and you'll see Doctor Sean Haran. Uh, from um, DePaul University. So appreciate him being on the show. We're going to take a break and come back, wrap this thing up. 
give you a, a little heads up. We're going to see. We're going to take a little poll and see what the rest of the team has learned so that we can increase their dating. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Touchscreen interfaces? That's so early 21st century. We'll tell you what may soon replace the touch. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Tablets and touchscreens were all the rage in computing. Last year, by the 20th time you clean your fingerprint smudges off your screen, touch computing loses a little of its appeal. A company called Leap Motion thinks physical touch computing is old-fashioned. Their Leap Motion controller is the size of a matchbox and replaces your computer mouse with 3D gestures you make in the air above your keyboard or in front of your screen. In this regard, it's somewhat similar to the Microsoft Connect full-body motion tracker used for some video games. The Leap device concentrates on just reading your hands and fingers with astounding precision, enabling you to sign your name in the air, mold virtual clay sculptures, play instruments or games, control RC planes, all with tiny gestures of your hand. Hold a pencil, brush, or baton, and the software lets you draw, paint, or conduct an orchestra. Gesture-driven controls might also be a useful tool in operating rooms, where gloved surgeons and nurses can manipulate 3D data or control surgical robots without touching anything. The technology will eventually go into phones and tablets as well. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We have been learning from an expert. Dr. Sean Horan was, uh, had joined us earlier from DePaul University. He's taught us, I think, a lot. And we're now going to go around the horn here to the crew because I think, uh, you know, we got some flirting issues. Not with us. That seems weird. But uh, we hope you've all picked up your flirting game. So anybody learn anything from the show today? I Favorite really like uh, what our guest talked about, how emotions are contagious. Yes. And it could be the the social animal in us. It could be the whole mob mentality thing. But things like... If you're nervous, people are going to pick up on that. So if you, when it comes to flirting, when it comes to essentially yeah. trying to influence people, oh, yeah. if, you, if you're not projecting the right sort of feeling, it's just not going to work. It's, see, the, and this I think is an important learning for you, Bryce, because you have rants. And if you walk into a room and start ranting, it's contagious. It's, we're going to have the next, you know. You'll have a rant riot. off, a riot. A riot is a multiple rant. Lots of rants. With a club. That, you know. <laughs> so, but I like that. I actually think that's true. I mean, you've seen it where, I mean, have you guys ever done online dating? Not online. What's it called? Um, speed dating. Have you guys ever done I haven't like done that? good speed dating. How's that? So you've, you've done an unhealthy, because it seems like that would be a room of really awkward people that know that you've got about a six minute timer on your mark, get set. Sell it. Quickly. Fall in love it in was one more, minute. It's more useful for career options because all you do is talk to a bunch of women about, oh, so what do you do for a job? Or what do you do, you know? And then by the time you finally get into it, she turns around, well, what do you do for a job? The time's up. Off they go. You learn Next. nothing about her. 
But see, I also like the idea that it's somewhere, it's something to do. I mean, if you don't have time, if you've got kids, if you don't have a place to meet them because you're not going to bars or you don't go to a church, whatever, you're not meeting people, it's an option. It's just- well, it's, it's too bad there's not a way with speed dating where you can stretch it where it's like, okay, this woman, I'm happy in three minutes to have the bell ring and move on. But, but this woman here, I'd like to get to know better. Yeah. But the problem is a lot of speed dating is organized so poorly – that it's difficult to, because it, it, I don't know. It's it, 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 there needs to be a way to be able to follow up later and be able to. Yeah, there's got to be better science in how we capture the love. Merritt, what did you learn? What stood out for you, our lone female? Okay, there are two things. Yes, one I liked what he said about for those who are looking for a relationship, anybody you meet is potent as a potential romantic partner Anyone. until confirmed otherwise. That's interesting. Then they're placed in the best friend category yeah. or the friend category. Friend zone. Friend, That's zone. What it's friend zone. The lonely, inescapable friend zone. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I don't normally, I mean, I don't when I'm going out to classes or whatever, I definitely don't think that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's other, huge. Yeah. Other thing I liked, and we talked about this earlier, but he said flirting is inherently and intentionally yeah. ambiguous. And I liked that because that's one of the problems I have with flirting is that it's ambiguous. But the fact that it's, you know, he said that it's intentionally ambiguous gives a little more light to it that you're. It's, I, it's actually true, isn't yeah. it? Because then all of a sudden it's you're doing whatever. You're either hiding. That's why you keep it ambiguous. Mm-hmm. They're hiding. <laughs> we don't want to overextend or I'm not interested. Yeah. So it's I'm not so maybe more the ambiguity leaves options open. Mm-hmm. This it's, is interesting. Yeah. Dating one oh one. Rob, what stood out for you? Eye contact and smiling. Eye contact, eye to eye and smiling. It does it I, you hear that. You go, what you need to do is you need to make eye contact. He called those smile. but he calls them what do you call them? Um it's it's addictive. It's I mean it's uh it spreads. Well that's then that yeah, the I idea that I thought is okay. I was at a wedding reception on Friday, and they had uh, an ice cream store catering the th- thing. So I think they had employees from the ice cream store scooping it up. They weren't guests of the wedding per se, but they were yeah. just there. And uh, you know, and, and I kind of talked and smiled, talking to the girls who scooped my ice cream. Then later, as I was leaving, there was nobody there. I made eye contact with her, and I kind of smiled a little bit. And she caught my eye, and it caught her off guard, so she smiled too. Oh and that goodness. was all that happened. And I did she give you a double scoop? No, I was on my way out. So that was it. <laughs> Rob, you missed but, your one true love Rob. right there. And she yeah, comes no, with I'm... ice cream, like <laughs> like it's the perfect combination. But I I recognized that on my end, thinking oh, making the effort to make eye contact with a girl and smile is not always not that big of a deal. But when it's the other way around and yeah. the girl's making eye contact and smiling at me, yeah. it means everything. That's right. Well, that's, unless you've got ice cream just dripping down your shirt. I mean, she was hey, if she, if she thinks like, that's cute, but, uh, you know. if she's into that, whatever. But see, what's interesting about how he explained it is that's actual – I mean that's real-life data. I, my, one of my big standouts was um, quit trying to use a technique and just start being attentive and paying attention to the feedback. Right there – one of my favorite quotes is, is that you cannot not communicate. So you're, that person you're talking to is always communicating. If they're in, if they're out, if, if they're interested, like she looking at you a little longer than normal is or communicating something. Well, and smiling. But that's, that's communicating something. And you smile back. But boom, 
heaven. Now the next step for another show, though, is what do you do about it? You're like, okay, she's smiling. What do I do? I would have gone I up and ordered. I a bigger smile and I walked right past and – No, but why didn't you go up? up? See, right then you should have gone up and – this is what I would have said. I would have said, my first name and your last name would sound great together. No. Oh, that's a line. Sorry. I think that that's – Or, or I, I look like your next boyfriend or you look like my next girlfriend. I don't think that that's – I don't know. But, no. Are you an angel? Because I swear I see heaven in your eyes. It sounds like a really bad 80s pop song. It probably was. Belinda Carlisle or something. Just... <laughs> but see, so the lines aren't going to work, right? Lines aren't going to work. No. Instead, some principles. A little eye-to-eye action. See, it's too bad she doesn't have, like, a shirt she's wearing that says, like, where she's from, what she does for a career. <laughs> Hi, I'm because, Stacey. You know, like online dating because you could all, you always have an in because you'd be no. like, oh, you lived in Santa Monica. That's cool. I visit there all the time. And you, you, yeah. But, uh, so you got to get up there and you just say, hey, can I get some ice cream? Yeah. And I'm she'd d- say, sure. What kind do you want, big fella? And I'd say chocolate. And you say chocolate. By the way, even if you've had three scoops before, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Then work it. And then this is a great line. But What's a problem- girl like you doing in a place like this? Oh, that would have been good. Yeah. <laughs> Not really, because my, oh, well, my flirts are all about 20 years old. But I hope we've learned something. It's uh, relationships. Most, maybe the most important thing is these are people. Hello, you're just a bunch of people. And uh, we can all gather some feedback and maybe even go test the feedback with each other. It's called learning, folks. Thanks for joining us. Uh, go out. Flirt a little bit more. If you're married, go flirt with your partner, please. Flirt with the one you brought to the dance. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to be back tomorrow with more great ideas, tools to help you with this crazy thing we call life right here on Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. 